Let's ride. What's happening, man? No playing this ride, number 41. Shout out to Dirk Nowitzki, number 41 for the Dallas Mavericks. International basketball superstar. One of the best big men of all time. The best shooting big man of all time. Definitely. He was probably a stretch four when there was like 10 of them in the league. So shout out to Dirk Nowitzki, NBA champion, finals MVP, multiple time all-star, and surefire first ballot NBA Hall of Famer. Now, let me jump right into the bullshit, man. Not really a lot of bullshit, just, well, uh, some trash, but just news. I'll just call it news. All right. First and foremost, Chicago, get Chicago, young black and Latino man in Chicago. We got to stop. If anybody out there listens, we got to stop. I know my voice is not going to move the needle at all. But maybe, just maybe, somebody will hear me and be like, you know what? Today, I'm not going to go shoot that guy. Just maybe. Wish upon the star, right? 47 shot in the night. Five of them died in Chicago. And I usually don't like to bring up shit like this because, I mean, it's not everything I say is not positive, but this is, like, really, really negative. And I feel like it perpetuates a stereotype because people like to pick on Chicago and say all types of terrible things about the city when I feel like it's a great city. My roots are there. Well, my, my family's roots are there. I've been there multiple times. I think it's a great place. The violence just needs to stop, man. I don't know what can be done. I know what can be done. I just don't know how to implement it. There's a lot of lost young men and women out there, and they need help. They need help. They don't need to be scrutinized. They need help. So whoever whoever's got the plan, I don't give a damn. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. Whoever has the plan to get Chicago on track, please help them get on track. I know it's more of a city, state issue, a community issue, but Chicago needs to be on track because while they're saying these things, people are profiting off the bullshit that goes on there. So I hope these uh, young men and women get it together soon. And that goes for any other city in the country that has violence that's going on at a crazy rate. We got to stop, man. Put the guns down. You know, turn the other cheek if possible. I know it ain't always possible, but we've got to stop killing each other because that shit is it's not doing us no good. We arguing about our rights on one end and then killing each other on the other end. It ain't gonna it ain't gonna solve nothing. It's not gonna do nothing for us. All right, I'm gonna move on from that. In other murderous news, a man waits 20 years to kill a doctor who killed his mother on the operating table. Now, he didn't do it Dexter style, like, you know, purposely murder her, but she died during the procedure. And apparently this doctor lived on the opposite block of this guy. So what my man did, I'm guessing, was he stalked him, kind of watched his movements, and the guy would ride his bike to work in his scrubs. So this nut 
actually rode a bike and shot the dude. He rode a bike, rode up on him, and shot the guy. And I believe he's still at large. Apparently, he's a former police officer. It, it just goes to show you, man, that we live in a crazy world. And people, people don't forget. Like, who's going to forget losing their mother? I'm not going to say people don't forget. People don't forget. For some people, they can move on past that. But a person like me, man, that that's hard. I couldn't see myself just moving along and having to move, I mean, having to live around the corner from this guy, knowing that my mother died in his hands, albeit during the procedure. But still, that's that's traumatizing. You got to see this guy every day. Or you got to see him in your neighborhood whenever. You know he's there, alive and well, thriving as a doctor, and your mother's on the ground. Now, I'm not justifying what this man did. I'm just saying I could understand that he was driven to a level that might make somebody crazy. Well, he was definitely crazy to do that. To wait 20 years, that's a, that's a patient guy. There's nothing I would do. I would move, personally. Like, if if it's eating me up that much, I would move. Or maybe he just snapped. I'm not 100%, but it sounds like he was laying in wait. So he did everything he wanted to do with his life, and he felt like, I'm good, I can go out. Let me go Merc, homeboy. And then disappear. And it seems like that's what happened. And uh, in other news, this young man in uh, California, Cameron Terrell, young white dude, was acquitted of murder. So he decided to live in his privileged lifestyle of wealth that he wanted to be a crip. So this guy, he gets with his homies, his black friends are the crips, and they go and this dude gets murdered. Now he gets acquitted. The homies are still in jail. And the reason he gets acquitted is because of his wealth. He's supposed to be so disconnected from the streets and that, and that level of poverty that he was fascinated by it and he just had to go participate in it. It's crazy. It's, it's some, uh, it's supposed to be some condition or some, it's some cop out. I'll call it. There's some cop-out bullshit that where if you're rich and you do something crazy because you're a crazy kid and you have money and wealth and you're just fascinated with it and you just do wild shit. There's there's another kid that just happened to, um, I think he went across the border or something. Something crazy he had going on and he got off with the same thing. Um, they probably based his this kid's case off of that. But it tells you a lot about this country, what you can do when you have money. You have so much more leverage, your resources are deeper, and the probability of you getting off from committing a, a heinous crime are multiplied. Whereas the homeboys who don't have the money or the you know the financial the financial or maybe even political reach to get that type of um what's the what's the word I'm looking for? To get that type of defense, they're stuck. I guarantee they probably got public defenders. Now, are they wrong? Of course they're 100% wrong. But he should be in there with him. I don't give a damn what type of money he has. He should be in there with him. Or seize the assets of the family. Because if he was with him and he didn't have no damn money, he would be guilty. So I don't, I mean, I understand how it works. You have money and you get to use the bullshit reasoning for you getting off. But 
it's that it's that thing that drives people crazy, right and legal. It should be legal and rich. Because if you're right and you're poor, your ass is still wrong. There's nothing you can do about it. Because they're going to have the resources to dig and find loopholes to get the people with money out of trouble. Just like that, that cat Weinstein is probably free walking around right now. I think he had a court date recently, but he's, he's not in jail. That's why I say when people commit crimes like this and it's all because they have money, okay, seize the assets. Take all the family's money and give it to the money of that kid they killed. Take all, seize all the assets and give it to the kid. Or give it to the family of the kid that was murdered. That way his ass can really see how it is to be broke and live in a fucked up neighborhood and have conflict with people. He can get the real experience. That's what they should do. If he ain't got to go to jail, cool. Him and his family, pack their shit, get out that house. The assets go to the family of the guy that was killed. And then you can move on. Because I'm assuming they got generational wealth. If he's doing drive-bys in the Mercedes. That's crazy. And then... And it's California. You know, that, that money situation is different in California. Like, I don't give a damn where you are. Money is money. But out here, to be able to spend money with the prices of stuff out here is crazy. So you got to have some real loot. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, he out of jail. Okay. Get them assets up. I think that's how, you, that's how you rectify that. That's how you make people with money afraid to commit these crimes. Because right now, they, they bulletproof. They Teflon. You're not going to do nothing to them. You're not going to do nothing to these people when they got these funds and they got these resources to get these high-powered lawyers. Nah. No. Just imagine. Look, Think about it like this. Young, rich, white kid gets off with committing murder. Right? With the media coverage we have today. Social media should be exploding. Right? Fox News, CNN, all should be exploding right now. Fox News, the kid was an American that died, right? They're not going to cover this shit. They're not really going to pay attention to it. CNN's going to pay a little bit of attention to it. But Fox News, they're not going to cover it. Just like he's not even an American. And this is what we talk about when we say we're not looked at the same way as everybody else. We know we're valued less by a certain segment of society. And we know a certain segment of society tries to pimp us for sympathy in order to make it look like they're fucking with us. And they can eat off our suffering too, Democrats, if we being honest. And I believe the bulk of them believe that they're doing the right thing on the left, but it ain't always like that. Like, I understand a situation like welfare or on the left, like you think it's needed. Yes, it can be needed, but it needs to be highly regulated because I've seen it become a generational crutch. But I'm going, I'm going too far off topic, though. I just want shit to be equal. And the only way to make the playing field level in a situation like this, if the kid is not going to get jail time, if his family is not going to suffer, take the assets. Make him suffer that way. And then on the flip side, and these I know these stories are older, but I just kind of came across them. On the flip side, there's a black man, um, Armando Frank, who's a veteran. In October 2017, police walk up on him. And he's near, um, I think he's in Louisiana. He's on a tractor, like near a Walmart. And the police ask him for his ID, ask him to identify himself. He does. 
he questions him, of course, like, why, you know, basically, like, why are you walking up on me? Like, what do you want? As any normal person would, if you're not expecting to be arrested by the police. And uh, they said they wanted him to come with them. They said there was a warrant. Now, the warrant was supposed to be for, what was the warrant for? Criminal trespassing. Because of a situation, uh, criminal trespassing, unlawful entry from a situation he had with a neighbor. Now, I don't know what the situation was, but that was supposed to be the warrant to hand out for him. Now, the officers arrived on the scene, told the man he had a warrant, he needs to come with them. He's like, I'm not going nowhere because they don't have the warrant. Now, in this culture, I ain't going to say anything. Not coach. In this climate, as a black man, three white police officers walk up on me. I'm nervous. I'm I'm, I'm nervous. It's a, it's a different. Like, if I'm in my car, like even if I'm in my car and I get pulled over with all the shit that's been going on, I'm nervous. I'm thinking that they're nervous. Like, I just want everything to go smooth. And this man is sitting on the tractor. I'm assuming working, just hang or just hanging out or whatever. And you got three cops walk up on you, and I mean, you're going to be a little spooked and surprised by that. So they asked him to get down, and he refused because he didn't see the warrant. So he doesn't know for sure what's going on. And I know they say comply with the officers, but you don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not 100% on what I would have done in that situation. I'm, I'm really not. Like, my first instinct would be, okay, well, let me call my wife and, or whatever and see what's going on. But I'm scared to reach for my phone. Are they going to let me get that far? Maybe I could ask them to call her for me. I don't know. But I know for me, th I mean, talking about it, I, I kind of shake a little bit. Not because I'm a sucker, just because I can imagine how he was feeling in that moment where, you know, you're getting walked up on by people that you know have guns and you know what's been going on in the country for the past, what's been, I'm not going to say the past few years, what's been magnified as happening in the country for the last few years, you're going to be nervous. So if I'm him and asking all these questions, like I'm, and this man is a veteran, I don't know what service he's in, he might have a little, he might have some issues. And uh, the situation went left real fast. He resisted. They basically tried to drag him off the, uh, the tractor. He was holding him off. He, was, he wasn't like fighting, but he was telling him to let him go. At some point, one of the cops tried to shoot him with the taser. I think they may have got him one time. The second time, he shot the other cop with the with the taser. In my brain, once that happens, the situation is even more heightened because now this guy's in pain, probably pissed off. The third guy's trying to get him. So they end up pulling him off in a, a fucked up manner. Like he, Obviously, it wasn't comfortable, but that shit looked like it really hurt. They pulled him off. They got him in a chokehold on the ground. And it's like three or four guys on him. And it looks like, I couldn't really see because of the, the way the camera was, but it looks like somebody has like their knee in the back, in his back or something. But I know he was definitely in the chokehold. So they tell him to get up or whatever, and they basically just kind of dragged him, thinking he's unconscious. And they got him in the car. And once they, once they got him in the car, he's not a small dude, he's a big guy. And once they actually got him in the car, it was like, they're like, okay, well, they're thinking he was dead weight or whatever. And then somebody... Some, some more cops showed up and were like, what's going on? What's happening? And they, they kind of gave him the little whatever, the little reasoning or whatever. And then somebody finally asked, is he breathing? And apparently he was not. Nobody attempted to resuscitate him or nothing.
And they probably called EMS once the camera was cut off. But my thing is, like, if you if you just look at the world, and I don't give a shit when it happened, what the time frame was of these stories, this is the time frame when I'm coming across it. So I'm looking at these two stories back to back. You got a rich white kid in L.A., goes on a drive-by, another black kid gets killed. He's rich. The people we went to do it with are in jail. He's acquitted. Then you go down to the south. I want to say, I think it's Louisiana. You got a black man who's probably at work, a veteran, just sitting on a tractor, minding his business, has a warrant out. And this man died because he had a warrant out at the hands of the police who showed up without a warrant. And people wonder why we get angry about shit that happens in this country. Like the evidence just doesn't stop piling up. And I'm not, I will never sit here and say all cops are bad. I will say that there's been a lot of fucking mistakes lately. A lot. Enough to make a black person feel or enough to reaffirm or confirm that our lives are not valued on the same plane in this country. At all. That's just how it feels. Every day. You know that. Walking out the door, you know that every day you walk into certain rooms, people think you don't know as much. Every day. Every goddamn day. And there's plenty of people fighting against stereotypes. There's Republicans and shit fighting against stereotypes every day. Trump supporters fighting against stereotypes every day. And they're angry. And I understand because it's new to y'all. It's new. It's new. If the worst thing you could be called in your in your life is a fucking racist, guess what? You got it easy. It's better than being on the other end of that spectrum and being thought of as less than your entire existence. And it's not, it's not in every interaction. It's a society. It's a culture thing. Less than. And, I, and, and this is the reason why I say that. Because the bottom... I'm going to say the bottom, right? But the fringe of our culture as black people is what is perpetuated as a stereotype for everybody. If I don't like Jordans, or if a black person don't like wearing Jordans, and they won't listen to rock music, they're not black enough. They're rare. They're different. If I work a regular job, I'm different. If, if I'm into tech, I'm different. If I want to travel and be worldly, or whatever, I'm different. I'm not typical black, which is wrong. That is typical black. We don't commit crime. We go to work. Some of us go to school. We're productive parts of the community, but the stereotype is that we're not, that we're not everyday people. We're black people. We're not everyday people. We can't be black everyday people. We're just black. We're not like everybody else. People see us doing shit and surprise, like we have these magical skills that they have. We're on the same plane. No, it's not like that. We're people just like everybody else. But it would, it would, I don't know what it would take to convince me that we're not thought of as less than, whether it be us, Latinos, Asians, um, people from the Middle East. There's nothing right now that can make me think that we're not looked at as less than, unless it comes to some bullshit like singing, dancing, playing sports, things like that. Oh, then we're held in high esteem. We're held in real high esteem. We want you to stay in your lane. Get out your lane, we're going to chastise you. But when you do something great like LeBron James did, opening that school, and like other guys have done, opening schools, it gets quiet. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy opened a school. And 
Some people will cover it, and some people will downplay it because of who it's coming from. And then we have our current president basically call LeBron James stupid. And I just, I don't understand this. You have scandal, you have a scandal every week. You have ongoing scandals that have not been solved yet. You're having to pay porn stars. This guy's been married once and his family's intact. You can't even get your employees together and this man's creeping up on a billion dollars. He has a school, he has a shoot line with Nike, and he has an entertainment, a production company called Spring Hill Entertainment. The school called our promise. Now you went to court for your school. That wasn't really about shit. This man's school is going to, is going to send people to college and pay tuition if they graduate. It's going to feed people, provide jobs. You can't put yourself next to this man on no level. You had a million dollar loan from your father. This man's father wasn't even in his life. You don't weigh up. Your own wife didn't agree with you. Even Melania praised LeBron James. What's his name, Smirkucci? Even he gave LeBron James praise. He disagreed with the president. And that was his boy. That's his roadie. And you got the nerve to sit there and call him and Don Lemon stoop. When this man has been in the NBA making like no mistakes off the court. Now, I know I kind of was on his head about the Jordan comparison on the court. But in totality, that argument is a little bit different. And it's a whole different subject. I just, I find it hard to believe that this man is is level. His, I don't understand where his focus is and our president. Like, you got scandals with Russia, porn stars, shit, your wife, all types of things going on. And what's the popular thing, like kids in school or kids in cages? Like, that fits. That's all you. And you got the nerve to talk about this man, LeBron, like he's not out here doing great things. It's downright despicable, man. You need to get your... Uh, you need to get your damn office in order. You can't even keep the same employees around here for a long amount of time without shit getting left or shit going crazy. You got the nerve to talk about a man opening a school that's going to prepare kids to leave a bad area? Man, the fuck out of here, man. In, uh, in other semi-sports-related news, there's a... Linebacker, former Ohio State linebacker, Joshua Perry, who's retiring at the age of 24. This young man is retiring because he's had a bunch of concussions. I believe he had six concussions, and he decided to call it quits. I applaud that cat. I think that's a, a bold decision to make at such a young age, but I definitely think it's the right decision to make while you still have your state of mind. Before you get to a point where the game don't want you no more, you make a decision to leave the game, and I think it was a brilliant decision on his part to put his health before his wallet because a lot of people wouldn't do that in this situation. A lot of people were scared. They don't know where their income is going to come from. But he decided to make a change, and I wish him the best of luck in his endeavors. I, mean, I, I believe he's going, to, um, he's going to focus on real estate, and he has a foundation he's trying to get together from. I think it's... His brother has Arnsperger's. He has a disorder. I'm saying it wrong, but he's going to start a foundation. And I think that's brilliant, man. This guy could be a role model for all types of athletes, those who, who don't make it to the NFL and those who make it to the NFL and need a way to transition out. I think he could be a great role model for that. And the thing, the best thing about it is, I mean, while it's unfortunate that he's leaving, he's doing it at a young age. 
a young age where he'll have a lot of time and not too much pressure. You know what I mean? He'll have the, the time to make mistakes and bounce back and learn. And as he goes on to continue, he'll just have that wisdom to give to other players who come out the league after him. So I think it's a great thing. So shout out to Joshua Perry from The Ohio State. And speaking of The Ohio State, there's a big lie going on in Columbus about how Urban Meyer wasn't aware that one of his assistant coaches was whooping his wife's ass. Listen, I'm going to tell you like this. A story that big, if the wife of this assistant coach is texting your wife and sending her pictures about him beating the shit out of her, there is no fucking way Urban Meyer didn't know. There is no way. There's not a wife on this planet that can speak and communicate that's not going to tell her husband that. No way in hell is a wife not going to tell her husband something crazy like that. Because that's got to be every spouse's worst fear, right? That's got to be your worst fear that you got to leave your marriage because one of y'all decides to beat on the other one. So as soon as she gets that message, there's no way in hell she's not like, yo, do you see what your employee's doing to his wife? What does that say about their marriage? What does that say about Urban Meyer? If you think that people are going to believe that you had no clue that this man was whooping his wife's ass, you have no respect for the intelligence of people in this country. I don't care what this guy told the media. I don't care what he told whoever. There's no way you didn't know. And I'm not saying that the guy outright told you and you kept it a secret. I'm saying, no, I believe 100% that your wife told you. And I'm, I don't understand why the wife didn't go to, to go to the police. I can only assume she was in a situation where there's kids involved and maybe she didn't have any finances and she didn't know what to do without her husband. Maybe she still loved him and wanted him to stop and get help. I don't know. But what I do know is that as soon as she sent them pictures out, Urban Meyer had to know. I don't give a damn how much you work at the university getting ready for games. I don't care about that. It's off season. You got some time off. I know you're preparing and shit for the season and all that, but you got to come home at some point. If not that night, the next night. If not that night, a couple of days after. You're going to come home and see your family. And even then, she probably text you the pictures. Now, the only thing I can imagine is she was like, hey, I got something to tell you about one of your coaches. And he probably said, I don't want to hear it. But there's no way I can believe that she didn't say nothing. Because if she did that, if she got those those pictures and those text messages and didn't and didn't say anything to her husband, she's a foul individual. Because the lady had pictures of the text. And the crazy thing is, like, she responded to it. So there's no way that she wasn't invested in the conversation about the abuse. She had to be. So for you to think that anybody else would think your wife wouldn't tell you something like that, that's, that's crazy. That's beyond stupid. Of course you knew. You just hit it because you didn't want to fuck with your staff. Now, the guy ended up being fired, but still, how long did you know? How long did you allow this woman to be in a situation where she was being beat because it benefited your school? Now, should she have called the police? Absolutely. 100%. She was wrong for not doing that. But I understand she was in the situation. I'm not going to judge her because she's the victim. But if, if the wife didn't tell, she's trash. If she told him he knew, he's trash. And the husband, 100%. Garbage. Another thing that makes me believe that he knew is because of his track record. You got to remember, he had a bunch of students, a bunch of athletes at Florida, 
who were fucking criminals. Criminals. One of them, one of them went to jail. Aaron Hernandez got, ended up dying in prison. An athlete he had on his roster. His track record speaks for itself with him hiring these delinquents. Not hiring, but him recruiting these guys that he knows have character issues and not saying nothing. And then what did he do? He slid off right before all the shit came to a head down in Florida. He dipped. So that lets me know 100% in my brain that he knew about this shit. He was just covering it up for homeboy. Urban Meyer, you trash for that. Super trash. I already hated you because you was a gator anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Man, I'm sorry about that little rant. I had a lot to get off my chest this week, man. I've been, been seeing a lot of stupidity out in these streets and a lot of things been making me angry. I just had to get that off real quick. One thing I, I will say is that um, I've been noticing the trend. Like when I was talking about Chicago, how things need to change. I may have said it before, but I mean, I say it again because I believe it's important. Mental health in the black community is... It's not something we deal with. We ignore it. We suppress it. We self-medicate via many different means. But I really applaud the guys in the in the media game and the athletes and the celebrities who come forward and talk about this and because it's a real issue. Like, if you believe these people live in the Chicago and these other cities where there's constant violence, cities like L.A., Houston, New Orleans, shit, Miami, um, apparently Louisville, according to First 48, Dallas, Texas, Shit, where I'm from, Jacksonville, Florida, and these places where violence happens a lot, there, there's got to be trauma there. There's got to be trauma. There's got to be some level of post-traumatic stress that these people are dealing with. For people, larger groups of people would be able to go out and murder other people or do harm to people and it just be normal. You're conditioned. Hyper alert, hypersensitive to certain things. You're conditioned to be that way. And I applaud people like Charlemagne the Guy and uh, Joe Buttons who speak about therapy on a regular basis. Who Charlemagne says he goes every Friday at three, and I think that's brave for a black person, especially uh, a mass media individual like Charlemagne, to put that out to the world. Because a lot of people will look at you crazy and call you crazy if you go into therapy, but it's those injuries you don't see that. That, that seem to get you. The stigma in the black community about it is just that we don't do it. Like, we don't need that shit. We don't need it. And as a person who's worked around psychologists, I just, I've seen people be helped by it. So I just wish that uh, more of us, one, had the means, and two, were educated enough to see that it's not always the physical damage that's, get what's, that's what's getting to you. It's, it could be the mental as well. And I just really wish that stigma didn't exist in our community anymore so we can go get help. Because I know white people have been going to get therapy for years. Like, I know it's been going on, but you see it in, in movies and you hear about it in the songs or whatever. But in our, in our community, in our culture, it's not really looked upon as anything positive. You're supposed to just be tough and suck that shit up, and that's something I feel needs to change. And I just felt like I had to speak on it, man. Um, yeah. And another thing that we don't do as Americans is travel. Now, I've been lucky enough to be in situations where I've been all over the damn world and seen how people move in different countries and and just how they interact with each other. And, and just I got a chance to peep other cultures. There's still some places I want to go, like Japan. I really want to check out Japan. 
SCI that is. I, I just hear it's really clean and everybody's really mannerable. And there's there's some things that are different that we that we would do here that we wouldn't do there, you know, and vice versa. But I really want to check it out. And uh something I look forward to doing and getting off my bucket list. But I've I've been to a few places. I've seen, you know, I've been to the Coliseum, been to Hawaii, even though that's the States, I still consider it I consider it like a bucket list trip because it's so far. I've been to Australia. I've been to Turkey. I've been to a few places. I've seen a little bit of this world. So my experience is uh, going from seeing extreme wealth in Dubai to seeing extreme poverty in the South Pacific. I've got it from both spectrums. Like there's a, I've been to Lisbon in Portugal where you can see when you, when you pull in, you can look and see that you're, the city's beautiful, it's nice, everything is um, it's updated. It's just nice, it's, you know, first world city. Then you look across the bay and you can see that it's just poverty and slums across the river, across that bridge. It's wild, man. But I, I encourage people to get out. Like, it, even if you just travel in the States, see some other country, go somewhere, leave your hometown. I know I've said it before, I just feel it's really important to get out your bubble for a little bit. Go be different. Go be somewhere where nobody knows you. Especially if you're single and don't have no kids. You really need to get out there. You might travel and find your damn soulmate somewhere. And if you got kids and you had the means, take them with you. Let them see the country as well. I've been lucky enough to live on both coasts, so i kind of been able you know, to see how people move. But I got to say, I, I like to move around, man. It just suits me and how I move. And uh, what else happened this week? I, I got um, I got a little music for y'all. I was light on the sports. I hope this week it wasn't too uh, wasn't too sporty this week. I gave y'all a couple of little stories, but I do have a little bit of music I want to talk to y'all about. That's a couple of albums. A few albums came out this week that I didn't get to um, to get on. I'll get back to y'all those. I know Mac Miller came out. I'm listening to that right now. The Internet dropped their album. But I listened, I decided to listen to two people I don't normally fuck with like that. I decided to listen to uh, Travis Scott, his album Astro World, and I listened to Denzel Curry's album Taboo. And I'm going to keep it a buck. Both of these albums are pretty good. So for Travis Scott, his album Astro World, if I could do a 4 out of 5 rating, I'd give it a 4. Off like two listens, I'd give it a 4 because it was real smooth. The production was well, you know, he does all the things with his voice and melodies and everything. I thought it was really well done. So for me, my favorite tracks are obviously Astroworld, um, Carousel, Sicko Mode, Stop Trying to Be God, No Bystanders, Butterfly Effect, Can't Say, my favorite song on the album so far is Coffee Bean. I really like that one. Um... I thought it was good. It was the most mature song on the album. He's talking about some relationship issues, but I just I thought the album was good overall. But that for me was a standout track. And then for my man Denzel Curry, who I really feel like man he caught he caught the wave of um the bad wave of being in that XXL freestyle, the double XL freestyle. You know the freshman freestyle. He was on there with Kodak Black and Twenty One Savage. I'm just messing with y'all. 21 Savage, um, Lil Uzi, and um, what's the, the little redhead boy? Lil Yachty. He caught the flack of being on there with them. He was one of the young guys. And um, 
unfortunately for him, I think that that kind of put a stain on him. It kind of put a negative light on him because, you know, most of them, they're not really too gifted when it comes to rapping, right? They're not on the plane that I call us the old heads. They're not really lyrically where we would like them to be. I'm going to attribute that to when they went on the radio and they got kind of put in position to rap, and that's really not their thing. They should have just not did it. It comes with it comes with time. They'll get better, hopefully, and uh, their careers will go on. But it's been kind of quiet, but we'll see. But for Denzel Curry, his album is called Taboo. I don't know. I gave Travis Scott four out of five. I think I would give Denzel Curry three and a half, like a strong three and a half, though, not to shit on it. I think it was a I think it was a really good album. He, it really impressed me because I didn't know what to expect. Like, I heard that one song, Ultimate, Ultimate, where he was like, I am the one. He's doing all that crazy shit. I like that song, but I had never really heard any of his other work. I do remember I saw the video for his song, Clock Cobain, and I was like, okay, I, I'll, I'll check it out. And this album was actually pretty good. I think it, it really separated him from his peers. That whole group I just talked about, I think this album puts him in a different spot. Like, you can't compare them no more to me. And maybe you could before, and I just wasn't aware. For me, it's like you can't compare him to any of those guys. Not Kodak, not none of them guys. He's on his he's on his own, doing his own thing. He used melodies really well. I didn't know that he, he did that. My ignorance. I thought if anything, he's probably just like a you know, like a rapper rapper. He didn't use the melodies. And I think he used really good beat selection and matched up with what he was trying to do and the album kinda had a theme to it. So I think it was really dope. And another thing I noticed about his um his album is that there were a couple there were a couple songs on there that had that kind of kind of like a Kendrick vibe to it, like Kendrick Lamar kind of vibe to it. That's me personally. I that's just how I feel. It sounded a little Kendrick influenced, which to me was a huge bonus because it sounded like one of those melodic songs Kendrick does. He has like one or two on every album. Like he had "I'm Real" on "Good Kid." He had um, Mama Said You Ain't Got a Lie on um, To Pimp a Butterfly. And then he had one like that on Damn. I forgot the name of it right now. He always has a song like that. And some of the songs on Denzel Curry's album sounded like that to me. And the, the standout songs to me were um, Mad I Got It, Sirens, Sumo, Sumo, excuse me, um, Taboo. My second favorite song on the album was Cloud Cobain. That's the one he has the video for now. And the, my first favorite song on the album was Black Balloons. That's one of the songs where that Kendrick vibe is kind of there. I've played that song at least 15 times already. I really like it. You know, I think he did a really good job on this album. And I, I may bump up my little rating for this at a later date. But as of right now, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. I think that's pretty good for my first time listening to this cat. Travis Scott had listened to him before. Had a couple songs I like. But uh, yeah, that's that's my music for this week, man. Uh, I'm gonna get back to y'all. This Mac Miller, his his album is actually pretty good too so far. It's kind of vibey, and I, I may hopefully I don't forget, but I'll do like a little a breakdown like I did for these two albums. But I think his album is gonna be really good once I get all the way through it, and I'm expecting big shit from the internet as well. All right, um, the last thing I want to say to y'all is, man, is that um, I'm getting older, you know. And as I'm getting old, I'm getting wiser. And as I'm getting wider, not wider, as I'm getting wiser, I'm starting to like myself a little bit more, man. I'm starting to care about shit a whole lot less. And I, I might have said this before, but I saw Joe Buttons did his pull-up, his episode he did with Vince Staples. 
he talked about being washed up and how great it was. He ain't lying, man. Being washed up is great. It is fantastic. To me, it just means you made it so far in life. Now, there's always more to go. Like, you're not completely washed up. I'm just washed up, regular washed up. And maybe I'm washed by choice. I'm 35, and there's just things I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not really going to care about what I wear, depending on where I'm going. Now, if I'm going out with my stepping out somewhere with my lady, of course, I want to look nice. But at this point in my life, man, I dress for comfort. If I'm not at work, I'm dressing for comfort, man. If I ain't got somewhere to be to look professional, I'm, I'm cool. Don't catch me on low-top sneakers, uh, some basketball, or Under Armour shorts or something, and a little T-shirt. I'm telling you, I've been praising good fellows from uh, Target. <laughs> I dress for comfort, man, at this point in life. And I I got kids and a wife, man. I, I really got nobody to impress. I just, as long as I look together, I'm fine. But I'm not going to be the guy that's going to match every little thing. Like, I've been that guy before when I was on my little sneakerhead kick. I'm like, okay, I got to get the shorts to match the shoes to match the shirt. Then I get a hat, and then, bam, everything goes together. And I... It was fun while it lasted. I gave it like a little two-year two-year run of me doing that shit, and then I, you know, I gave it up. I just don't feel like that was me. But while I like the shoes and all that stuff, it's just too expensive, and it wasn't really my vibe. It ain't nothing I can, I can maintain. So I'd rather just be low-key, wear a lot of solid colors, things that match, a bunch of shorts and shirts I can switch out and interchange with each other, and then I'm good. I'm saving myself some bread, man. That's just how I, that's how I got to get it these days, man. You know, I'm not trying to keep up with the young boys. Just just be comfortable. Be who you are. That's my thing. Be comfortable, man. Yeah, man, before I go, before I go, I need Officer Charles Wallace of Missouri to go get my belt, man. Go get my motherfucking belt. How in the hell are you going to be a police officer and hit a motherfucker while driving because you're on your phone? So this man in Missouri, is in a town, you know, close to Kansas City, Missouri, he was riding his bike with his GoPro on. He's supposed to be like an avid cyclist. I'm not going to put his name out there because it's not important, and he's not the jackass here. But uh, Officer Charles Wallace of Missouri, go get my goddamn belt. <laughs> you you got to be kidding me. That had to be the worst day of your career so far. I hope that's the worst thing to ever happen in your career because you're, you're a police officer, and I want you to be safe. But God damn it, you cannot be on your phone while driving. I don't know what happened to him, man. I didn't really look into the story. I know the guy has some minor injuries. I'm pretty sure the cop got in a lot of fucking trouble. Hopefully he didn't lose his job. Hopefully he can bounce back. Like, I don't ever want anybody to be unemployed. Now, if he was out there whooping black people and white people and the Spanish people and Asian people, I'd be like, yes, take his job. But he made a dumbass mistake, unfortunately, that people make every day. And, uh... Well, they don't hit people every day, but people mess with their phones while driving every day. And he should get some type of decent reprimand to make him not want to do that anymore. But if he's a good officer, I want him to keep his job. If he's not, fucking throw him in the garbage. But yeah, man, go get my belt. Prepare for this ass whooping, man. <laughs> Jackass. And with that, man, y'all be good out there, man. Y'all know where to get at me at. No playing this ride at gmail.com. No playing this ride on Facebook. No play 247 on Twitter, capital N lowercase o capital p l a y no play 247 on twitter um yeah man i'm on soundcloud now so if you know somebody that don't have itunes because they're weird or they don't have google play because they're really weird my stuff's on soundcloud i'm on youtube 
trying to get this out every Monday. I think I got a good track record so far. And um, I'm going to keep doing it, man. I come to a crossroads every now and again. The way I should keep doing this. And I decided. I don't give a damn if there's two people listening. Monday morning, them two people going to have a podcast to listen to. Damn it. If I can help it. If I can't, too bad, so sad. But for the most part, all four of y'all, 20 of y'all, five of y'all, negative six, whoever's listening, man, I appreciate you, man. And with that, make tomorrow better than today. Learn something tomorrow you didn't learn today. Be good out there, man.